0: episode i'm not the comic relief i'm the energy <laughs> i'm you, not really that funny you
1: say it in a quiet reserved yeah, voice i'm the
0: energy at lunch in a minute i'm gonna fucking launch into some shit it's gonna be embarrassing
1: embarrassing
0: Yeah. for you or for me i love this fucking movie Either don't embarrass <laughs> me but you got christmas beer i do have christmas beer and you've got your, your your
1: unruly headphones that i'm trying to tame
0: and your fancy husband
1: you are my fancy
0: husband. Who comes and saves you from parking lots.
1: It was a rough day. <laughs> oh, man.
0: And I, I killed that rapist and I threw him in the bitter root. That's weird. I missed that one entirely. Yeah, I saw him coming, you know, dick out running across the parking lot while you were trying to bust that lug nut. Weird. He was trying to um. bust his lug nut <laughs> against your will. So I gutted him mm. and I threw him in the river.
1: Good to know. Yeah.
0: And then I, I, I overfilled my back tire, apparently. Apparently. Ah
1: shit, so
0: did I. <laughs> ah, no, shit. We're up to a rough start. <laughs> oh my god, I really overflowed mine. It, it's all over the place. Oh god. Okay, we need a napkin. <laughs> I can't even get to the intro on this one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> really overflowed it. Mistakes were made. Christmas beer. Christmas beer. Everywhere. Christmas beer it. With the Christmas spirit. Holy sheer it. Lionbach, <laughs> <laughs> Snowdrift, Eric. Oh man. Made by a guy named Eric. Snowdreave, spirit.
1: Facts or? I don't know.
0: Could be. I mean, I, I assure you, somebody named Eric works for the company.
1: Do you assure me?
0: It's a snowy beer. If I'd, I I'd imagine that there's at least one Eric. Look that up and find you wrong. What do I get? A uh, uh, high five. I'd be, actually, I would be willing to bet that there are more people working at Leinen Kugels or whatever, however the fuck you say that. Uh, making the snowdrift vanilla porter that you poured to a great Guinness head.
1: Um, <laughs> Leinenkugel.
0: I would almost say there's probably more Eric's than not Eric's working at Leinenkugel. Yeah. A fitting name. Sounds awfully German. You know what else sounds awfully German? Hans.
1: Did you know that he made his uh, we screen even, debut?
0: I was going to bring that up to
1: After he was in his 40s. Oh.
0: Well, you it's can so tell me 40s. who did that after I, I introduce. Can I? Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across in the beautiful, the effervescent, the freshly new... Flat tire. Flat tire that I definitely should have been able to plug last night, but couldn't plug because I'm not really a man, so I had to go find another dude to do that today. Kristen (laughs) Bloom. Ooh, (laughs) And we're here to bring you yet another edition of uh, the Tremendous, the Tumultuous, the Better Than Terrible... Tectonic Tuesday, awaiting better names. Call
1: it better than Terrible
0: Tuesday. <laughs> better than Terrible Tuesday, and God damn it, if I'm not excited for today's episode, <laughs> Kristen is not because Kristen has had a very stressful day and a half. Yeah. Um,
1: we should talk about that first.
0: Okay, can I introduce the film and then no, we can digress can and then come back off. into it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what are we here to talk about today, Kristen? What are we, are we here for? to talk about? A film. That came out in 1988. That is the season for The Bleeding. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a motherfucking machine gun and a cat that's trying to kill my dog. We're here to talk Die Hard. All right. Fanfare.
1: 1988's Die Hard. That's what that's I said. the year I was born. Film no, you, sit, you just said Die Hard.
0: film that came out in 1988.
1: Yeah, oh. Well, that was the year I was born. It was
0: filled with greats. You ruined my intro. Okay, I so... I didn't
1: ruin your intro. Winston <laughs> did. We're
0: here to talk Die Hard. Uh, but first... What else died hard this week, sweetheart? (laughs) Would that be your front left tire? (laughs) In a snowy parking lot in Montana? Via a screw?
1: Yes. In the dark? (laughs)
0: So, yeah. Turns
1: out... And I've probably been driving on it while it's been leaking for like a couple of weeks now. Mm Because the pressure gauge on my uh, sensor in my car has been on for a hot minute. And I was like, "Oh, it's just the cold weather throwing it off. And, yeah, I, uh, turns out had a flat... Uh, that we then tried to put a donut on and the donut was also flat. <laughs> and then, uh, when bought a tire and turns out when you buy a tire, they literally only give you a tire. They do not give you <laughs>
0: the rim, the rim, which you walked out going the same tools that Brett used, AKA a scissor jack and a, <laughs> I the, the You're like, I just figured it would be the same tools. It's like, you think I can change? What? No, I'm going to blow the beading out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I've never had to change my own tire before. I'm not a mechanic. <laughs>
0: cat is going to get killed during this episode, though, because he's attacking my feet. Punt him.
1: Punt him but in yeah, the head. We got
0: it all fixed. It's all fixed now.
1: Yeah, but we bought a tire, and then the people we bought the tire from wouldn't put it on the rim for us. And so we took it somewhere else, and then turns out they just plugged my original tire. That Something was
0: I easily could have done if the tire was not covered in snow, and I could have seen that nail in the first place. Yeah.
1: So yeah. now I have an extra tire that I'm trying to decide if I want to keep or not.
0: And so I so. started I started off as the knight in shining armor, and then around 11 o'clock this morning when uh, we met a guy whose name was also probably Eric, uh, I, I felt like a bitch. Oh, And why? I felt like he was trying to out-alpha me from that second forward. He's like, oh. She has to carry the heavy tire? Why? Is it because you can't stand up like a little girl?
1: I didn't have to carry it. I offered to
0: carry it. But I basically got bitch slapped on a moral level by some some dude probably named Eric.
1: And it is incredibly difficult if you have never changed your own tire to hand crank a jack.
0: You're happy that I was there then? Yeah. Well, of course (laughs) I was happy that you were there. You
1: did most of the work. I just I am baffled by how absurd today was. I was like, I got to work finally, like, three and a half hours or four and a half hours late. And I was like, I'm not even mad. It was just so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so, check your spare.
0: Check your spare tire. Make sure you got air in that bastard. You should be checking your pressure at least every three months. It's a good move for you.
1: Yeah. I've had that car for, like, at least four or five years now. And I have never checked the spare. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my bad. But lessons learned.
0: Lessons learned. All right. You ready to get back into the tremendous, the less than terrible Die Hard? Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Uh, I've seen it before. It wasn't. A, Everybody's seen it before. Yeah. It wasn't like a first viewing for either of us. I, I think Brett's probably definitely a bigger fan of it than I am. But I've it seen is a, it like 30 times. It is a fun movie. <laughs> um, Whether or not it's a Christmas movie, we'll.
0: We can debate that. I'm, I'm down to get drunk and we can debate that fucking frame mm-hmm. by frame because it turns out Bruce Willis does not view it as a Christmas film. The guy who wrote it has come out and said it's a Christmas film. And when they were advertising the 30 year box set two years ago, they said it was the you know the greatest Christmas film of all time. So Bruce Willis seems to be the only person involved that does not see it as a Christmas film, That's despite the fact guys. that it's his favorite role that he's ever played.
1: But according to the poster, it's four, 40 stories of sheer adventure.
0: It is 40 stories of sheer adventure.
1: <laughs> is that building really only 40 stories tall? It's
0: actually the Fox building, if I remember correctly.
1: It seems like it's taller than that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> pretty well liked all around. Um, Rotten Tomatoes critics and audience gave it a 94%. Mm-hmm. Uh, IMDB gave it an 8.2. Where do you think you sit? A uh, hundred Hundred.
0: I love this movie. Hundred
1: and ten. hundred
0: and ten percent. I can quote every line. I giggle at lines before the lines are said, and I ruin it for everybody that's ever watched it with me.
1: Yeah, you did. You kept quoting <laughs> the machine gun line until it happened. And then I was like, "What is the bottom shirt?" And you se- said, "Or the bottom of the shirt saying." And you're like, "Ho ho ho!" I've been saying it this whole time. <laughs> um, I'd say probably ninety four percent. I, I did that,
0: and then every time a uh, fucking What's his nuts? Uh, Dwayne Robinson. That character came on screen. I was like, if you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Because he played the principal in Breakfast Club, and that's his. Big oh, that in guy. Breakfast yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, unfortunately, because today was so bleh, uh I don't have my normal stuff written yeah. down that I would have written down because I didn't get a break today at work. No. So. <laughs> but I,
0: I do have, you know, basically the main thing I want to cover for today's episode is, like, character dynamic. And I feel like this is a really good film to, like, dive into that concept.
1: Sure. Um. And anyway, we'll introduce everyone first and yeah, then yeah, yeah. get into that. So, directed by John McTiernan. Mm-hmm. Um. Screenplay by. I was like, I don't have a written by. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently it's based on a book, Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe.
0: Yep. And that is the reason why this was optioned uh, to Frank Sinatra when Sinatra was in his 70s because Sinatra played in a movie called The Detective. And this is technically a sequel to that book.
1: That would have been hilarious yeah. if 70-year-old Sinatra yeah. had been like, I'm doing but it! But because of
0: the contract for the detective, Sinatra had to be asked if he wanted the role of John McLean.
1: They were probably, like, nervously, like, please, <laughs> for the love
0: of my like, come on, old blue eyes. I don't know how say you're going to look. no. Jumping off the roof with that <laughs> fucking fire hose attached <laughs> to
1: Um. The screenplay, though, was done by Jeb Stewart and Stephen E. D. Souza? We'll go Let's
0: say Souza. yeah, Whatever. It's based on Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe.
1: Um, distributed by Twentieth Century Fox, so definitely not a nobody company. Yeah. Um, production companies were Gordon Company, which I am not familiar with, and Silver Pictures, which mm-hmm. I'm also not familiar with. Uh, it had a whopping budget of twenty five to thirty five million. Yeah. Uh, and a
0: borderline nobody, Bruce Willis, who's secured a five million dollar contract that like pissed off the entire board of directors
1: (laughs) it's a it's a i feel like very physically demanding movie though so good on him for getting that much and he
0: did a lot of his own stunts
1: um box office 139.8 to 141.5 million so huge success crushed it um where are my actors here we go page we need
0: Oh, I, I was like, why am I flipping through? If she doesn't have notes, and I was like, oh yeah, the actor's paper. probably a good thing.
1: I don't have any of the stuff these people have been in, unfortunately, because again, long day.
0: Long day. Didn't I, the director has also directed another film that was huge, but it slips my mind at this point. So, How good luck you. to him.
1: <laughs>
0: How dare you? Uh, Bruce Willis plays the legendary John McClane. Who's John McClane?
1: He's our MC. <laughs> He's the New York City cop who gets. Caught up in some L.A. drama. (laughs)
0: Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. And then there's the legendary, rest in peace, Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber.
1: I do miss Alan Rickman. He's our uh, main bad guy, though. He's the leader of, I don't know if they're really terrorists, but uh, on here it says the leader of the terrorist group. Mm -hmm. But he does himself say, who said we're terrorists? So, (laughs) the leader of the very successful robbers. (laughs) Yeah.
0: uh Alan Rickman also as you mentioned earlier this was his first hollywood film he'd done some british tv and british theatre but this was I think his, he done
1: some Broadway, too, right?
0: I don't know about the Broadway, but I know that this was his first film, and he was really, really hesitant to the point where they had to convince him because he didn't want his debut American film to be a villain, that he would then be typecast as a villain, and lo and fucking behold, he was typecast as a villain.
1: Yeah, he did uh, Broadway. I mean, to be fair, though, he played a lot of really cool characters yeah. uh, throughout his career, hands down my favorite being... Um, Snapping. Snape. Snape <laughs> from Harry Potter, just because the character is such a complex character, and I do feel like they, um, in revealing the depth to that character, kind of fucked his role over a bit. I feel like the book did it um, a lot more justice than the movie did, because that character was so beautifully complex and hmm. honestly a solid casting.
0: Awesome. I have to rewatch the Harry Potter series. I thought he did really good in Die Hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's also in, because uh, whenever he died. Um, Kevin Smith did a tribute to him. He's in, um... Oh, man, I'm blanking on what that movie's called. He played a robot, though, that, like, I think was, like, very, um... Snapey. No, like, he was, like, a very depressed, like, down-on-everything type of robot. And I cannot remember the movie, but I remember, yeah, Kevin Smith did, like, a big tribute to him whenever he died, because, um... Kevin Smith thought very highly of them too because they worked together. You googlin.
0: Yeah. You googly. I'm Jamie. <laughs> Look that uh, up, Jamie.
1: Um yeah, I can't remember. Good
0: Metatron. Remember. Yeah. The What's voice the of God. That's Dogma. Dogma oh. One and a two and a one, two, three, four. Turns out the name of that film was Dogma. I closed <laughs> my laptop. <laughs> like an idiot i was like i don't need google anymore i'll just turn this whole goddamn system off
1: <laughs> i would have been sad if we'd sat here yeah. for a whole hour talking and nothing <clears throat> got recorded
0: but i yeah i own dogma it's got george carlin george carlin's in that as well doesn't
1: it also have uh
0: ben that Affleck, white Matt Damon? white
1: singer that's like sarah mclaughlin
0: or whatever it might it's got Chris Rock. He plays. She, the, doesn't
1: she play God? Because God's a woman at the yeah, end. Yeah, I can't I? remember who
0: plays God. I think
1: it's though. like Sarah McLaughlin. or like someone might be like Sarah that. It Sarah
0: McLachlan, but yeah, it's got Chris Rock. <laughs> no, it's Alanis
1: Morissette. That's who it is. That's who it is.
0: Chris Rock plays the black disciple that nobody wrote about in the Bible, and he's still really pissed off about it.
1: <laughs> oh, we should rewatch.
0: it. <laughs> but anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Die Hard. We're talking about today, Alan Rickman. We're talking about motherfucking Alan Rickman. Those are the only three roles I'm aware of, and I'm... Only seen the first Harry Potter film. <laughs> <laughs> then we got uh, Alexander Gudenov as Carl.
1: Uh, yeah, this is where my knowledge of these characters is going to drop off. Because I'm not going to lie, the bad guys were very interchangeable for me. Carl's I do the... know Carl is the one whose brother gets killed and he's out for revenge yeah. the whole time. He's the
0: one who dies last. He gets shot by um, Powell.
1: Is he the one that he... Uh, hung too. So he survived being hung. Yeah.
0: And I learned a interesting thing about that today. And I had to YouTube it because I've never heard of this before. But if you look over Bruce Willis's left shoulder after he's hung him and knocked him out against the wall, right? Um, He leans against a pillar, checks the rounds in his pistol, and then gets up and runs off screen. But if you pause, right when he leans up against the pillar, you can see the guy he just killed is standing off like he's supposed to be offset, probably thought he was, you know, out of view because of the pillar. But you can obviously see him standing there watching Bruce Willis <laughs> <laughs> reload his pistol.
1: Well, it makes sense because he got down and got out.
0: <laughs> got down, got back up again. Ain't never gonna keep me down. That's the legend of Carl. <laughs> um, and then you got Bonnie Bedelli as Holly Genero McLean.
1: That's uh, Bruce's estranged current wife, who mm-hmm. is. Moved off to L.A. to be successful at whatever the fuck her job is. At the Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, she snatched up the kids and moved off to L.A. And Bruce was not supportive. So moral of the story, be a supportive spouse. Exactly. Change that tire in the winter in Montana.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And if you're curious as to why there's Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson, I learned today, fun trivia, it's because of our next gentleman, Reginald Vell Johnson, who plays Al Powell.
1: Oh, that's our our black cop guy. What yeah. is it? Family Matters that he was in.
0: What I was think that? so, but I'm not even going to dare to throw one out there. I think
1: it's Family <laughs> Matters that he was in, and yeah, like I, I mean, I know. I guess technically Bruce did the same thing because he transitioned from TV acting yeah. to right. Um, but yeah, like he's he's one of my actors that I feel like is like such an underrated um, supporting character. Yeah. Like he. I think probably is more famous for his career as a TV mm-hmm. actor. But like whenever he's like a side character in a movie, I'm like that
0: guy. <laughs> well, they were saying like to this day, if he stops at a gas station or something like that, people will buy him Twinkies because of Die Hard. Oh. <laughs> like, I just assumed maybe you'd want one. And he's I like, do. yeah, they throw them in my car when I <laughs> like
1: he, he could be a garbage person in real life. I have no idea. But every time you see him in something, I'm like, he's so wholesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> But if you mess with the bull, you get the horns. And in this case, you get Paul Gleason, Dwayne T. Robinson.
1: I thought you were going to tell me why we had two Johnsons. You said
0: it was because of the other guy. Because the last guy's name is Val Johnson. It was a joke.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, Uh...
0: there, there are th- oh, three the... unrelated Johnsons in the film, the two Johnsons and Reginald. <laughs>
1: um, that's the police chief who tries to kind of steal the show and yeah. then immediately realizes he He could be not...
0: anybody. He could be a fucking bartender.
1: Immediately realizes he is not in charge yeah. and uh, pretty much caves back to uh, yeah. Al.
0: <laughs> the H. Al
1: being in charge.
0: And then you've got, oh God, Devoro? Um, D-E. Devoro? Devereaux. Devereaux. Devereaux White plays Argyle.
1: He's our uh, limo driver, who <laughs> I feel like is basically our comedic relief that we keep cutting to, like hilariously just chilling in the limo, yeah, just drinking oh, champagne, like, completely oblivious. Rap like,
0: fucking at one point, the the scene where um, Bruce Willis is watching Powell through the glass and powell's doing his circle and he goes who the fuck is this guy stevie wonder and then they cut to argyle they're listening to i think it's called spineless by stevie wonder <gasps> in the car when they do the cut
1: that's hilarious
0: um and then you got william atherton plays r- by richard thornburg
1: he's our uh tv reporter who deservedly gets punched in the <laughs> face at the end
0: clarence gillard as theo
1: uh, that's the dude who is spending the whole time trying to break into the vaults.
0: Yeah, and he sings all the fun songs. He tells the cool football story when they're, or the basketball story when they're walking in, then they shoot the security guard. Um, <clears throat> we'd be amiss in this film if we did not bring up the next gentleman. Hart Boschner, Hans Booby.
1: He's, <laughs> 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 uh, Ellis, who is our coke addict.
0: Who's trying to fuck um, Bruce's. Holly, Bruce's yeah. Boo, Bruce's Boo, Hans and then Booby. <laughs> James Shigata as Joseph Yashinubu
1: Takagi. He's the executive who owns or runs whatever it is they do at Nakatomi. Yeah, they? I don't really know what they do there, to be honest.
0: <laughs> he makes two references to Pearl Harbor in this film, and he starred in a older Pearl Harbor movie as one of the generals. Uh, under harahito
1: fun fact
0: all right so let's How get Are they into... not
1: gonna mention our fbi agents johnson and johnson, johnson, johnson. and johnson
0: <laughs> are they not gonna... which is a hilarious diaper reference for the fucking fbi yeah well, <laughs> it
1: is
0: johnson and johnson
1: isn't it yeah that
0: was... detective johnson
1: i'm so sad they're not listed
0: i'm agent johnson this is johnson <laughs> oh
1: wait yep big johnson and little johnson <laughs> We got an honorable mention here, Robert Davey and Grand L. Bush respectively (laughs) appear as Big Johnson and Little Johnson.
0: There's a black one and a white one, so I'm just going to go ahead and guess. Black one's Big Johnson. Penis joke.
1: Which one's taller? I don't know. Probably I, the black I thought, one. It, was, I just I thought it was in
0: reference to their height. No, it would be funnier if they named the shorter think, black guy.
1: I think Big Johnson is the white dude because he's the older one. Because remember when they're shooting up the tower, he's like, it's just like being back in <laughs> Dom And the black dude's like, I was in high school, you jackass. <laughs> so I think the white dude is Big Johnson.
0: So where do you want to start, love? We can talk, uh, I can synopsis? talk Die Hard all day. Yeah, let's do the synopsis. synopsis? Synopsize I mean. the motherfuck out of this. That's you. Okay, so we got John McClane. John McClane, he's a police officer. He's hanging out in New York City, being all badass. Probably always wears that wife beater. I almost stripped down it for this episode to my wife beater, but I don't look that good. I'm not Bruce Willis, circa 1988. I'm Brett Bloom, circa fat piece of shit. COVID oh, that's crisis. not true. John McCain. John McClane?
1: McClane. Yeah. yeah. Not John, John,
0: McCain. John, McCain, John McCain. John McCain could not lift his arms up.
1: Surprise John McCain was in this movie.
0: <laughs> John McCain could not lift his arms up enough to do the fucking jump through the fucking elevator shaft. So McClane. he was not in this film. John McClane is the one that was looking really good in 88. John McCain probably still looked like shit in 88. Probably was not in great shape. So John McClane leaves New York. He's like, I'm going to go surprise my wife, who oh. I think still loves me.
1: They invited him for Christmas because she knew he was potentially coming, but she didn't know for sure.
0: Yeah. So he gets the invite either way. He makes balls with his feet. He brings a big bear. He figures out that Holly has changed her last name on the work computers. He's upset about it. He takes off his shoes, which is a pivotal plot point um, because that he he needs to step on glass later so he takes off his shoes he's wiping his face Hans Gruber and the gang they all bust in the doors they start shooting shit they shoot a guy they shoot another guy they shoot the fucking uh japanese dude running the company dude and then for an hour and a half we watch hans battle with john mcclain and holly is like throwing shit in the spokes downstairs and ellis is being a coke addict and then fucking hans gruber falls off the nakatomi plaza carl comes out gets shot by powell boom synopsis
1: right off into the moonlight in a limo
0: yeah after holly punches the reporter boom (laughs) <laughs> that's probably the most succinct version with the uh exception of my expository takes on john mccain,
1: john McCain.
0: war hero and politician All right, rest in so peace
1: you're leading this ship
0: i'm re- leading the ship
1: <laughs> <do you>
0: <laughs> i'm the ship leader
1: where do you want to go i'm
0: fucking drinking <laughs> You so my main could, thing that rub I wa- rub
1: your, your feet in the carpet.
0: Yeah, you gotta make fist with your toes. Um so the main thing that I wanted to talk about, because we could beat this movie to death. I'm probably gonna beat this movie to death because I love this goddamn film. Um and I loved it before it was a meme. I am a hipster in like three places and I will be a hipster on Die Hard until the day I die hard. <laughs> Which is close to the title of the last film that I still have not seen, A Good Day die. to Die Hard.
1: Die Hard with a Vengeance.
0: Die Hard with a Vengeance is the one you haven't seen.
1: I'm just saying. <laughs> there, are a lot of, there are a lot of ways you could die
0: hard. No, we might watch tonight Die Harder, which is part two.
1: I think it's just Die Hard 2, isn't it? No,
0: it's Die Harder. There's Die Hard, Die Harder, Die Hard with a Vengeance, um, Live Free or Die Hard, live and then... Free or uh, Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, Live Free or Die Hard, and then... America! Fucking, what's the fifth one that oh. I haven't seen that I just said the name of? That one. Live free and die harder, I guess.
1: (laughs) Live free and die hard. To
0: take a blue chew and shoot yourself. Die hard with a vengeance. Die hard with a vengeance. (laughs) Um, but the main thing that I want to talk about is um, like character dynamics in Die Hard because yes, it is an action film. Yes, now you know, fucking twenty two years later, it or thirty two years later, I guess, but.
1: Yeah, um, I'm
0: 32. No, I was doing the math in my head, and I was like, I just said that it had a 30-year anniversary two years ago. I'm bad at mathematics. Um, so, yeah, 32 years later, it's a little aged. But, like, you have to think about the films that came before 88 that had action stars. So, like, recently you had Schwarzenegger breaking the mold. You had... Sylvester Stallone doing Rambo you know like you had these big name action movies that we think of when we think about the 80s and then before that you had James Bond and like really that's all you have <laughs> like, as far as the genre is concerned you know what they managed to do with these characters um, and the dynamics between these characters has become so hacky now that it's a formula much in the way romance is a formula. You need a believable good guy to go against an intelligent figure that he's not going to be able to thwart, you know, right away. You need a love interest that's complicated, so that like his he's you get this drive between.
1: Are you saying they're action movie tropes, Brad?
0: They're are severe action movie <laughs> tropes, yeah. But they all get born out of either this or Rambo. It was like the two ways that we make film. As far as action film is concerned, now but you won't get Transformers if you don't have Die Hard. <laughs> are we really
1: a, gonna? Uh, uh, are we really gonna throw Transformers in the same category?
0: Is a tropey action film? It's a Michael Bay movie.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, at least with Die Hard, like I would buy Bruce Willis could like wreck some shit. Maybe not quite as aggressively as he did in the movie, but I'm like. If real-world Bruce Willis, who was actually a cop and trained in some of that stuff, was in that situation, he might live a while. If Shia LaBeouf... Was facing Shia aliens LaBeouf. from space. Pretty sure he's dying on day one. He'd
0: be screaming at that flagpole going, the Jews will not replace us or whatever Which, he to be says. fair,
1: Shia LaBeouf does do a lot of screaming in that movie. <laughs> he might as well be the girl.
0: He had to apologize recently for a domestic violence scandal that is currently destroying his career.
1: Well, yeah, don't beat people up.
0: Yeah. Running for your life from Shia LaBeouf. I think Bruce Wells would fuck Shia LaBeouf's life up today. <laughs> Bruce Willis yeah. would bend him over. I mean, I know and it's r- a Shove his own head. Cliche in action
1: ass. movie. I don't think it deserves to be chucked in the same yeah, category. No, but I'm
0: saying that, that formula that we we view horror or not horror, we view action for the past like thirty years is all born out of Die Hard. Every part of the dynamic changed it. Because it, before these films, as I said, we had James Bond. James Bond knows everything. He's got all the gadgets. I don't give a fuck about you, Goldfinger. You know? <laughs> God job can eat a thousand dicks. We didn't have, like, maybe a better way to put it, we didn't have an American action figure outside of, Sylvester Stallone and Rambo, which was more of that film about post-traumatic stress disorder. I'd love to rewatch with you someday. (laughs) We didn't have an action film like this, and now all we have are action films like this. When you see an action film, you go, oh, it's Die Hard on a Plane. It's Die Hard on a Boat. You know, snakes
1: on a plane yeah
0: it's die hard on an <laughs> island that's all this is you know but it it feels like a video game movie now as we talk about on here at some points especially when the detonators because you need to drink every time he says the detonators <laughs> <laughs> like it feels like a video game movie now but what it did redefine the industry it makes
1: sense it's
0: character dynamics i guess I,
1: yeah, I think Did that's you have a... an
0: offshoot. Do I look at this movie a lot higher than <laughs> No, I th- I think
1: overall that's just the movie as a whole that kind of redefined the genre. I think individually the character dynamics are um I don't like I, I think they affect the movie in different ways. Like Bruce and or um uh, McLean and Hans in particular, like yeah. there is that um I feel like a lot of other movies, the bad guy is kind of like a bumbling um, idiot type. Yeah. that like, Especially
0: in the 80s. Yeah. It was just a big strong guy with a lot of guns.
1: <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's like all you had to do was outthink him and then he's he's done for. And like, mm-hmm. granted, um, Hans knows how to use a gun. And, yeah. You know, Hans isn't... Uh, Afraid to shoot somebody himself, but he's got a whole host of henchmen that he sends out, and Hans just kind of sits and he's like, Wait, 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 I got this. Let me just think about this for a minute. <laughs> yeah. You know, where we
0: have the opposite dynamic as to all the pre action films where Hans is the brain in the situation, and McLean is kind of this bumbling, I'm going to get him. <laughs> like it's a complete reversal of the roles.
1: I think it's interesting too that he's not. He's not an idiot character for sure. Like, he's not this he's character. A thing on his,
0: he's like a street smart guy. Yeah, like,
1: yeah. he's not a character that's just stumbling around. So, neither of them are necessarily um, bumbling characters in this movie. One is just clearly more of the businessman of the suit. Like, I'm going to sit down and let everybody else mm-hmm. do the work, and I'm the brains of this operation where bruce willis's character is kind of like ah oh, damn that plan didn't work out what's next you know <laughs> oh
0: shit let me sit down and smoke a cigarette and reapproach reapproach <laughs> this situation but at the same time he will hop on top of the elevator and like tally on his arm how many more bad guys he's got to kill <laughs> i don't
1: know that that was worth the risk like it makes it makes sense but at the same time i'm like 'Cause he like the elevator goes up to the top and he very nearly gets like yeah. squished by the pole. I'm like, Was that worth just getting a couple of names <laughs> jotted down? I would have just eavesdropped yeah. on the radio. <laughs> but
0: again, he's not a perfect character. So, like he makes this they they make an interesting foil for each other because Hans can think a thousand steps ahead. he gets you know up to the rooftop to figure out where the fuck McLean is, and then immediately puts on the American accent and like makes up a name based off the things on the wall and McLean doesn't notice it until it's too fucking late but he also thinks ahead and pulls the gun or pulls the bullets out of the gun and then hands the gun Would over been... to Hans and Hans doesn't know the difference in the weight of a loaded or an unloaded gun. It's like a weird chess match Would between have been like incredibly
1: a... unfortunate though, if that had been a real hostage and they had needed to shoot some <laughs> bad guys. he was like, Oh fuck man, I didn't give you bullets. My bad. <laughs> I think
0: it was pretty much like, Oh, this will give you the confidence to stand behind me, but uh, there's no fucking way. I'm down to like four bullets. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. And like I, I oh shoot what was i gonna say lost my train of thought
0: but they're a good foil for each other
1: yeah and i i have mixed feelings about the love interest aspect of it though like i don't necessarily feel like that relationship matters as much as it needs to matter for how much is going down like i don't really feel like With all these people getting shot and getting killed. Like, he seems too terribly worried at all about her being in the party.
0: Well, that's the only reason he's doing all of this shit, is to save his wife. I
1: know, but I don't feel like it gets translated very well.
0: Well, can I approach it from a different angle? Um, The way I look at it is Ellis is also a foil to McLean, And Ellis is trying to get with Holly. And Holly entertains Alice, but she's not in love. And then as the film progresses, we see Holly get warmer to the idea of seeing John, because John's going through all this trouble to kill all these fucking people to save her fucking life. So <laughs> We get this warmth, but we get this dynamic as well through Hans Gruber in one of the best scenes, which is he probably asked for a Coke and they literally gave him a Coca-Cola. And then he's sitting there sipping it. Hans, (laughs) booby. It's like, I'm not a character actor or whatever the fuck he says to him Mm -hmm. in in the scene. A method actor, yeah? Yeah. yeah, But I I, I think the dynamic of Holly and McClane switches in that scene when the foil is killed. And so, like, almost a choice has been made between characters.
1: I mean, yeah, I could see that argument, I guess. I think for me, it's just... um I think maybe this is where some action movies kind of get hung up a little bit, is where there's so much action packed mm-hmm. in. And this movie's fun, so I'm, it's not that I have any problem with the action of this one. Like yeah. Movies like Transformers, you know, on yeah. the other hand, it's like, how Always much more... When you get the chance. <laughs> Thanks for the advice. <laughs> like, how much more <laughs> shit is going to blow up in Transformers, you know, so there gets to a point where it's like, okay, can we move the story along? Like, mm-hmm. this robot fight hasn't been going on for five minutes now. I'm like this My movie... problem with
0: the Marvel films. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now we got a big snake and it's knocking yeah. down buildings. I don't know any of the people in those buildings. I don't give a shit about them. Is the Hulk going to punch this thing or not? <laughs> yeah.
1: There's a scene, in, and I know I'll probably get flack for this. There's a scene in whichever movie it is where uh, Iron Man and Captain America are at odds with each other. Civil War. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And uh, towards the end of the movie, they kind of have a head-to-head fight with each other. And... Uh, it's supposed to be this really impactful moment because they're friends with each other and they're kind of, like, arguing, like, I trusted yeah. you, you were my friend, blah, 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 as they're fighting. But the fight seems to drag on and feels so ridiculous where I'm like, are we done yet? Like, what's happening yeah. here? Come on.
0: It's like the, the is it They Live? The one that we watched together with, like, that 15-minute oh, fight God. scene with Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's the best example ever of, like, being way too absurd with an action sequence. Oh, my God, that was so painful to watch. But, like... With this movie, I never felt that way. Like, there are maybe some kind of silly kills in it, but, like, yeah. there's never a point where I'm like, are we still doing this? I'm gonna kill ya, <laughs> and I'm gonna
0: cook ya, and I'm gonna eat ya. <laughs>
1: um, but for the most part, yeah, the action in this movie kind of blends in with the story. I think, for me, the problem with action movies is when you give your action hero a motivation that's supposed to be their sole purpose. Mm-hmm. And you don't get time to flush it out; it doesn't feel like as impactful as it's supposed to feel. Like as far I, as
0: him with Holly,
1: yeah. Like I feel like because almost a
0: hundred percent of the tensions between him and Hans, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> like I feel like as far as like character dynamic in that sense, like this feels a bit more like Bruce Willis showed up to a party, somebody ruined his evening, and he's pissed off the whole rest of the night because. Yeah there is some charm to the fact that his character is kind of like in your face. Like he sends the body down and he's like, I've got the machine gun now. (laughs) But he's very like in your face with his like macho-ness. And like, it's like those kind of antics could easily put your wife in very serious danger. Especially
0: after Hans knows who his wife is. Yeah. And
1: like, he, he doesn't really know ever at any point until the tale end, whether or not Han knows that that's his wife. Like he's just kind of like, Oh, uh, hopefully he doesn't know he hasn't yeah. said anything yet. You know, if I know? piss
0: him off, if I piss him off enough, you know, I'm a what? What? I'm a I'm a wrench in the gears, a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: like he doesn't know enough about Hans's character to know whether or not he's just gonna outright shoot Holly in the face just yeah. to like get some payback, or if Story, Carl, yeah. the pissed off brother, is gonna yeah. shoot Holly in the face just to get some payback. Like, oh, you killed my brother, I'll kill your wife, uh-huh. and then
0: sidetrack in the novel that i've not read but i read about a bunch today it's not his wife it's his daughter and she dies with hans he shoots hans but hans has his hand around her throat so they mm-hmm. both go off the building and he doesn't save her the way that the like, saves yeah Holly. i feel like
1: maybe depending on how that story is developed that might even be more impactful because then we do get to this scene um or before that um We have this moment, which is literally just a plot device to move the story forward, where the reporter goes to the house and threatens the immigrant housekeeper and puts the kids on TV, which is so wrong on so many levels. Um,
0: Very fucked up, but it was the 80s. Rodney (laughs) King hadn't happened yet.
1: (laughs) Um, But it's just a plot device for the story, basically, for Hans to realize Holly is his wife. That's the only point of that scene. And we haven't spent any time getting to know the children for me to care that his children are on TV. And then when we get to that final confrontation where Holly um, almost goes off the building with Mm -hmm. Hans, like the only thing that I was like, oh, hey, we made a callback is to the Rolex that's on her arm. That's a gift from Ellis. Like I wasn't even like, oh, God, Holly, save her. You know, it was like, oh. There
0: goes the Rolex from Ellis, you know. <laughs> do you think that's a fault of the film or do well, you think it's because we've seen too many action films that have like kind of hammered it out a bit better? So like you 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 care about the love interest. The success of James Bond is it's always built on some random chick fucking yeah. and then he's got to save her life and you always feel like that's in the balance across like generations of actors playing Bond. And we don't get that full development in Die Hard between McClane and Holly.
1: I think it's a fault of just the genre in general. Which, I mean, I know people going to watch action movies aren't invested in whatever the love story is. But I think if the love... We're there
0: to see blood. Yeah, but I think if the
1: love story is a motivation, I need it to feel a little bit more important. Like, you don't have to spend 30 extra minutes of screen time Mm -hmm. working on it. But maybe just, like, a little more between the two of them. Because... The last they see of each other is him biting her head off. She goes out the door and, like, that's, I guess, a good reason to feel, like, this intense regret. Like, that's the last thing I said to her. But we don't get any development of that. And so yeah. we have this scene. Well, we
0: get it through Powell, like, his well, conversations with Powell.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. He, We have the scene where he's in the shower or in the bathroom and he's, like, washing his feet in the sink. And, um... It is kind of a like ooh like things are getting a little rough kind of scene because it's like oh he's like really beat up and really hurt yeah, at this point pulling the and, glass out yeah and like we don't know how well his character is going to hold up through the rest of the movie so like his conversation with Al does feel like kind of important but like the fact that he's making this confession to someone else and then when he finally sees Holly it's just like a, oh like. Hug and kiss, you know, and that's it. It feels flat. Can I
0: pose a question? Because as I do when we do these things, I read the one-star reviews. I want to read who hated Die Hard Mm -hmm. to the point where they're going to get an IMDb account. They're going to tell you why they hated this movie. And um, a lot of it has to do with this concept of toxic masculinity, this trope that very easily fits the John McClane character. He's he's jacked, he's smoking a cigarette, he's covered in blood, but he's not giving up. You know, do you think that that dynamic, um, like, to me, I think it works because I view it in the vein of an 80s film.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, it feels very, very...
1: I don't think that I would argue, honestly, that this movie is um, aggressively, toxically male. Um, yeah, no, I
0: just mean like in that relationship and then we can expand it into the whole.
1: No. It's I, I, like
0: I'm, I'm, because to me it feels like I'm better, I'm a police officer, Powell's a police officer, I'm having an issue with my wife, let me confide it in Powell because I need to keep fighting. Like, to me, that's the dynamic I look at the relationship. And I haven't ever thought about it as he doesn't love Holly. It's just because of the virtues of his character, he's not comfortable being emotional with Holly, which in 1988.
1: <laughs> well, no, not even that. Like, that aside, um, regardless of who he has the conversation with, I don't think, in my personal opinion anyway, is a reflection of. His character being toxically masculine. Um, I don't think I understand what toxic
0: masculinity means. So.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, w- I would argue, sure, period, if we're going to strip it down to that base of a level. Hollywood itself can be a little toxically masculine. Like, Holly's character is basically the only woman in this whole movie, and she is the damsel in distress character. So,
0: I wouldn't. I've got an argument for that, too.
1: Let me finish, though. Okay. Um, So, just on that very basic concept, I would say maybe, yes, this movie um, portrays only strong men, and you have this one female character who maybe is a successful executive, but overall, um, in comparison to all of her co-stars, is a weak character. But, um, like, that aside, that's just a general overview of the movie. I don't think their relationship is toxic, because i think the fact that they there is this growth in his character makes up for that like his character mm-hmm. is obviously at the beginning of the movie a toxic male character because he is mad that she moved away like wanted her to fail so she would come crawling yeah. back to him is openly looking for fights even when she like comes up to him and she's nice to him you know, to his face. i got a
0: guest bedroom. You know? Yeah,
1: like, she offers yeah. him a place to stay. She's, like, telling him she missed him and that it's good to see him and that she wants him at the house. And she's, like, opening the door to, like, kind of mm-hmm. have a, like, peaceful dialogue with him. And he immediately starts attacking her. So in that moment, yes, like, his character is, like, a toxic male character. Cause so he's... you
0: feel he starts that way and then grows as yeah, a Yeah, and so
1: I think you can't call the movie... Um, Like a representation of toxic masculinity because his character grows. Like his character openly admits to Al he's made a mistake and he's never apologized and he should have been more supportive and stuff. So at the end of the movie he's realizing his own mistakes and like his own transgressions against her. So I I don't think that I would say no that his character is honestly a representation of toxic masculinity because his character acknowledges his own faults at the end.
0: That's an interesting way of viewing it, because I don't fully, as a dude, um, understand the concept of toxic masculinity. I see masculinity and then, like, insecurity like I don't, like, <laughs> like there's dudes that are insecure about like where they are in life. Mm-hmm. And so they do the macho shit where it's like, all right, well, now you're just a dipshit. Get rid of the fucking balls on the back of your Chevy. <clears throat> but yeah, I, 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 I'm happy to hear you say that because I don't think I realized the growth and character at that level. I, I think I looked at it as this is a possibly problematic, to use the term, uh, film from the 80s that I love. And I didn't view. Because I I don't think I ever started off. Maybe it's just the sheer amount of time I've spent watching this movie. Mm. But, like, I don't ever feel like. He hates Holly. I feel like he has his own justifiable reasons to be upset, and he expresses them in the wrong way. So
1: I, th- I think for me, where but there it's are...
0: interesting that you've pointed out that he does grow over yeah. time. So it, it, the movie is not inherently toxic because there is this growth cycle. Yeah, he starts off as a dipshit who doesn't respect his role as a father and as a husband. Goes through all this shit and then finally realizes that, fuck my job in New York. I'm making Die Hard too. This bitch is going on an airplane and I'm going to fight a bunch of Germans again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think where people could at least have the beginnings of that argument is, yeah, his character is um, a character who... Didn't want any change in his status, even at her expense. And I think that's where the toxicity comes in. Um, Obviously, when you're married and you have kids together, and one of you has some major life change, like a huge job opportunity that's on the other side of the country, that's something that impacts the both of you. So she doesn't. He's making
0: 20 grand as a cop in NYC. She's making 70 grand as an executive in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. it's a, a change that obviously impacts the both of them. She doesn't have the right as only half of the relationship to treat him like he's uncaring or unloving or insensitive or whatever if he doesn't want to move. Um, but vice versa, he doesn't have the right to treat her like, you know, she's ruined their relationship yeah. or done all this or whatever because she wants growth in her own self. So I think that's where the argument would maybe be presented he refused to compromise on any level um wished for her to fail and then got mad when she didn't fail um so there is that toxicity of he doesn't want to have to sacrifice anything on his end at her expense yeah um i i I think it's a weird choice but i guess a good point for like the that they have up front that she changed her name so early. Mm-hmm. I think on the flip side, she didn't rub it in his face. She quietly changed her name and didn't tell him. Just he... at
0: the company. Yeah. She goes because the Japanese respect yeah. that a lot more. So yeah. we get a cultural significance that him as a white guy coming out of New York City might not understand which is a, a a secondary dynamic between his culture of New York and this other culture mm. of California that comes up throughout the yeah. film.
1: And it is, again, then kind of a bit of a representation of, like, his character being toxic because mm-hmm. she didn't rub it in his face. She didn't go, oh, I changed my name. And he immediately, when she tries to be welcoming to him, picks a fight with her about it instead of asking her why. Yeah. And then um when the dude, i mean i would be a little weirded LS. out no no not that guy Uh, I would be a little weirded out if a stranger kissed me on the cheek, but when the dude walks up and kisses him on the cheek, he's like, oh, what the fuck, L.A., you know? So, like, it's a weird thing that, like, for no... Fucking
0: California. (laughs) Yeah,
1: like, it's a weird thing that for no real reason in the movie kind of briefly makes him seem slightly homophobic. Do you
0: think that's intentional for old film to new film? Like, he's supposed to be this transitional character in action films who's, like, learning how to... God damn it, kiss me on the cheek, you fag... well well, he smiles
1: like he so it's a weird moment where it's like i don't get why they put the scene in at all because he doesn't try to fight the guy he's kind of like initially like what the fuck but then he looks back at it and kind of smiles and he's like LA you know (laughs) like so it's a weird scene to add for it to not matter that much because it it does kind of initially give this um, do you find
0: it endearing or do you find it insignificant
1: I think insignificant, to be honest, because I think the initial thought seeing that scene is like, oh, he's uncomfortable. He's homophobic. He must be homophobic. Yeah. Yeah." And so there is no growth anywhere or bringing that back up at any point in the movie. So it seems like a weird thing. But he just
0: smiles and turns, which shows you something about his character. Yeah. As toxic as he might initially come off he is not like a judgmental prick he's yeah it's like a distance guy more than he is like i'll never understand his culture (laughs) guy.
1: yeah and i just feel like it's a weird scene to add because i think the initial reaction to that might be like oh he's masculine he's homophobic you know so it, it it's just weird fuel to the fire for his character being toxic for no reason, even though the scene itself isn't really mm-hmm. anything at all.
0: It's not really necessary outside yeah. of showing a character trait.
1: Yeah. And um, like I, I think there is definitely argument up front at the beginning of the movie that his character is that macho representation of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. where women are feeling oppressed in society because of those kind of attitudes But I don't think, and I feel like it has to be a conscious decision in the writing. I don't think that his character is a toxic masculine character because at the end of the movie, his character, like I said, is acknowledging his faults and his character has changed. And I don't
0: like... No, I I, I feel you 100%. And it's a note that I just wrote down as we were talking about that. And this concept of youth versus age, was that decision and similar decisions the whole airport sequence can be seen as a transition right off at of the bat from this macho character to Los Angeles. You got the ditzy blonde who like runs up and like hugs Leaps the, into yeah, the dude's leaps arms. Leaps into the dude's arms. And then he's got a limousine and he meets Argyle. And Argyle's like the young, new thing that's on the street just laughing his way through the shootout and then like hopping up at the last second to punch out the tech guy. You know? Like, yeah. How do you feel about the Argyle-McLean representing that shift in culture? Because you've got a younger black male in 1988 who's the limousine driver that he sits in the cab with instead of back in the limousine smoking cigarettes. And Argyle is his immediate, you know, like, Communication until that gets cut off by Carl. Mm -hmm. And then he's cut off until he reaches Powell, another black man. You know, he's older than Argyle is. But you've got like a a meet in the middle in Powell uh, moving forward in Argyle and a moving backward in uh, you get the bullhorns guy, David... Jacobson, I don't fucking know his name. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the chief police. Um, this dynamic of shifting ideologies as far as police work, as far as film, as a, Holly even, in her fights with Hans where she's more mental than she is physical. There's this great struggle of shifting momentum.
1: I think the problem... With that, though, in older movies, which we weren't having these kind of conversations in the 80s anyway, so you can't really fault people that were making films in the 80s for conversations we weren't having at all. Um, It was
0: 30 years ago. I'm 29. (laughs) What the fuck do I know? uh,
1: I think the problem with these type of movies, if we're going to try to say why people currently might say it's problematic, is there are characters in this movie... um, that are strong characters that aren't mm-hmm. the macho male white character, obviously. Um, Holly punches on yeah. the reporter. Holly punches the reporter. She demands
0: she's, the bathroom break.
1: Yeah, she's the, basically, VP at this company. Um, the head of the company is an Asian guy. Um Argo, yeah, is an African-American actor. Al is an African-American actor. One of the FBI agents is an African-American actor. Little Johnson. So, um, <laughs> or so Big we... Johnson, if we're <laughs> So we do have quite a few um, opportunities for diversity. And mm-hmm. most of the other characters, in their own way, are strong characters. Like, one of them is an FBI agent, even though he gets blown up. Um <laughs> The retired black cop gets that final shot off. Argyle um, kind of proves like how trustworthy he is in his own yeah. way because he sticks out there crashes to Crashes into and, the yeah. ambulance
0: and punches dude in the face. Yeah, that
1: he has no idea whether or not he has a gun or anything. So there are strong characters. I think the problem where those type of conversations get brought up in older movies, so is that for how strong any of these characters are in their individual scenes, they are very small parts to the like entire so movie. To the overall thing. Yeah, so you have Bruce Willis and um, oh, Alan Rickman, was... yeah. who are white male characters, who are the two dominating characters in this movie. Most of the henchmen are white male characters, which they're also side characters. And but... they're also German.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I think where people want to argue those things which again this movie was made in the 80s we weren't having these conversations back then is overall you can take these other parts but they don't equal the larger parts that's why i think
0: it's forward thinking though when i when i'm talking about a cultural shift i think they give the advantages to argyle and to holly like they're not bumbling idiots
1: no they're not and al isn't either like al has him
0: a yeah. bit of the vulnerability
1: but yeah he is the head
0: of he's the what's one going who on comes outside. out and he's like yeah i shot a kid he had a bb gun like he has like the deepest line in the entire film you know this is like one of my first times back being in patrol i've been on you know desk for fucking years because i shot a kid and bruce is like oh Al you know <laughs> yeah And they have this really beautiful male-to-male moment, which you don't get in a lot of 80s films, again, because there's an emotion throughout this thing. I know I'm digging into it like it's the fucking Godfather, but I swear (laughs) to God, I love this movie.
1: No, and yeah, I think for a movie made in the 80s, for sure, um, there's... It could
0: be made today. Like, if it didn't exist in 1988, it would be groundbreaking in 2020 with a few minor tweaks.
1: Like, there is a lot of depth to it, and I, I think people... Um, looking through the lens of 2020 you know want to pick at things that maybe aren't necessarily worth picking at Um, I think in general Bruce Willis's character probably would catch flack now just because he's a white cop I think that yeah. alone would be enough to make some people mad yeah. Um, and yeah like all of the like I said big lead roles in this movie are white roles but yeah I, I think for a movie that came out in the 80s like there is a lot of charm to it you do have Career-wise, the woman that was the strong woman, um, and you do have minorities in this movie that are significant and endearing roles. Um, Al is probably, honestly, my favorite character in the whole movie. Um... So yeah, I, I think for so a movie you can
0: cancel that. And then moments later, it's like fuck that! <laughs> bring everybody in. We're
1: making Swiss cheese out of a <laughs>
0: car. Yeah, I, th- I
1: think it is a for a movie. Yeah, made in a time where we weren't having these conversations. A thoughtful movie um, as far as its representation um, and like inclusivity of other roles go, um, and I, I think too.
0: It's an action movie where Holly is like a foil as well to Hans.
1: I, I don't know that she really contributes a ton, to be honest. He
0: didn't kill her.
1: And he didn't kill her because he wanted.
0: Well, he almost a killed her at the climax, but <laughs> yeah,
1: like he wanted a weapon to use against McLean's. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that she survived of her own devices. I, I do appreciate that she stood up to him and was like, "Oh, we had like a sofa and some bathroom breaks," but. Like, she wasn't some master manipulator in the plan, so I think, honestly, Holly's character for me is kind of a flat character. Do you
0: think in 2020, if we were going to remake Die Hard, that there would be a cell phone connection between her and her husband that we would need to establish, and then they would maybe be able to work closer together? Because in 88, all you had was a pager and a landline.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe not a cell phone, but I, I do feel like if we're trying to give her character any credit, maybe some level of, like, significant, Mm -hmm. like, contribution towards him, whether it's, like, she snuck him supplies or something, you know, like...
0: I only ask because today I read an article that I can't remember either one of the actresses' names, but somebody was arguing that Die Hard needs to be remade as a lesbian couple and that the lesbians would have a tighter relationship than McLean with Holly. Um... To overcome Hans, and I was like, that might be interesting to remake Die Hard. I hate remaking classics, and I hate doing it for the sake of diversity. I don't, I don't but think... a, a lesbian, like, it could be like an Angelina Jolie salt. You know, like, <laughs> I don't.
1: I don't think I, I. I don't like those type of arguments. I don't think making it a lesbian couple would. Um...
0: Yeah, making an old, you know, girls Ghostbusters <laughs> did not make Ghostbusters. Worse. Well, I
1: I don't think making a movie for the sake of inclusivity um, would automatically make the characters any deeper or Mm -hmm. less deeper, any more functional. I think the problem is our consciousness of depth in characters as a whole. Like, there are lesbian couples out there who fight and don't get along and lie and sneak around. They're you know same sex couples and straight couples and all kinds of couples that have the same problems and some couples of all races and genders and sexualities that have beautiful relationships mm-hmm. where they communicate well and they're a cohesive unit but like that's that's individual to the person so yeah. To change the gender doesn't change the dynamic. The writing is the dynamic. So whether or not yeah, yeah. you've... <laughs> whether or not you've chosen to make your characters conscious characters or thoughtful characters is a writing choice. And it doesn't matter mm. what color they are or what gender they are.
0: It's what we loved about Fargo. She's just a pregnant cop. Yeah. They don't need to exploit that. Yeah. She's a pregnant cop. They're not making this to impress pregnant cops. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, <laughs> you, you could. Yeah, in theory. Um have a same sex couple that does this movie again and does it better because they work better together, but that's because you wrote them to work better Mm -hmm. together. Um, And I, I don't think, I don't think that's the problem with this movie. I think the problem with this movie is if, um,
0: if we're gonna find a problem, yeah. If we're gonna yeah. find a
1: problem, I, I I'm fine with the movie the way that it is. I I don't think the point of the movie was necessarily about Holly. I think the point of the movie was about McLean's growth in himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe Holly's character isn't terribly essential. Um. As far as outside of Sam McLean's, yeah, outside uh, or as far as like what she's contributing to the situation, she's not necessarily essential. It's his like reconciliation of his regret for holding her back, and now she's in this situation, and only he can save her. Yeah, and he doesn't know (laughs) if he's going to see her again, or if she's going to die, if he's going to die, or whatever. So you don't necessarily have to write her character to be a stronger character, but I think to me. The problem with her character in particular is she could have been anyone. It doesn't matter that it was that yeah. actress playing that role. Her character was just a flat character that was just there to be there mm-hmm. so that he had someone to save. Um, he
0: could have met her on the plane in the opening
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, But I, I think she.
0: That- she- she becomes a lot more important in the second film. And
1: maybe it learned <laughs> from that. Maybe they yeah. realized Holly wasn't a terribly likable or significant character. And so they wrote her to be more meaningful. But I I think I don't think this movie is about Holly. I think this movie is about McLean. And I, I think the charm to this movie is that Bruce is a character who comes in very macho. And he's like this fucking town. And he's like... <laughs> light it up love let's go <laughs> he, he comes into la and he's like this fucking town i'm a gritty new york cop and these people just drink and fuck and do cocaine and what do they know yeah and then these hard german quote-unquote terrorists come in and he's like oh my god like you don't know who these people are <laughs> you don't know who you're fucking with he's like we gotta do something and like we see like, this genuine insecurity and fear in this character as he's going through these situations. And especially towards the end when he's, like, been shot and his foot's bleeding and all this. It's this, like, I don't know yeah, if he's I'm got going... Yeah, a duct
0: tape, a pistol with two bullets <laughs> to yeah, his back. Yeah, <laughs> there's this,
1: I don't know if I'm going to live. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Desperation. Like, yeah,
1: in this character. And the fact, too, like, he, he's a little... Like I said, in your face macho with some of his stuff like the Yippie Kaye motherfucker and the I've got a machine gun now ho ho, but those are just kind of funny. <laughs> so like even in their aggressive thanks for the
0: advice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: even in their aggressive, um, kind of in your face, like masculine moments, like There is a charm where this movie knows when to make fun of itself. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is kind of a silly moment, isn't it? Glass,
0: glass, who gives a fuck about (laughs) glass?
1: (laughs) It's like we're all kind of laughing together at how silly some of this is. So I think the charm in this movie is that it knows when to poke fun of it at itself like the johnson and johnson thing is absurd (laughs) and yeah whenever the dude's like oh it's just like nom and he was like i was in high school you jackass
0: hans (laughs) booby turns out that was ad-libbed rickman had no idea that was coming so the look on hans's face is genuine did he just call me a (laughs) (laughs) booby
1: so I, i i think that's the charm of this movie regardless of if we want to say in certain areas, maybe it's a little tone deaf now, 32 years later. um, 32 (laughs) I think the charm of this movie is that we do have a macho, masculine male character who is toxic to not just his relationship, but his family who can acknowledge that he's been (laughs) toxic. And even if it's not just this like overwhelming growth, he can acknowledge at the very least at the end of the day, I have been a problem too. And I need to grow as a person. And I mean, the fact that this is a macho male movie that knows, hey, we can be a little silly and we can poke a little fun while we're still giving our audience what they want. So,
0: yeah. I think think that breakdown is what makes it the best Christmas film (laughs) of all time. It's your angry, drunk veteran sitting on the couch and going, I could be a better person. And I think that's why. Uh, Do you have a... A, I'll, I'll fight you. You've got Do it. Do you not think that it's a Christmas film?
1: I don't think. <laughs> I yes and no. Um,
0: Remind me again. <laughs> was it uh, Ode to Joy that Hans whistles as he's <laughs> sitting on the elevator next to Takakami or whatever his name was? <laughs> uh,
1: yes and no. Um, I I I find it enjoyable to watch at Christmas time. If I'm picking a Christmas Day movie, that's my quintessential Christmas movie. This is not it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
0: Is it Die Harder?
1: No, it's probably How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original animated version. Because
0: <laughs> I'm a normal person, unlike you. <laughs> no, it is a Christmas movie, and you're wrong.
1: Uh,
0: he's coming home for Christmas. I believe it's that's one Christmas of the Day opening in this movie, songs. It, it never gets to Christmas yeah, Day, but this he's coming not, home for Christmas. This is
1: not my Christmas Day movie. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's. It's I would a Christmas watch it in spirit December. movie. Yeah,
0: agreed. I'll give you that.
1: <laughs> I would not watch the, a Christmas the day. The
0: week or two before Christmas, you can start the Die Hard series. And that's when it needs to happen.
1: It's not my Christmas day. <laughs> that's my argument. Christmas season, sure.
0: I think this might be our best not terrible, tumultuous, tectonic to start I'm going with
1: Tuesday.
0: Not Terrible Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> not th- I think this is our best Not Terrible Tuesday episode yet. <laughs> I'm very excited about this. I'm fucking excited about it, love. I'm sorry that your car uh, decided that it wanted to be a magnet die. for a screw and a staple. It die harder. <laughs> it died harder. <laughs> died harder than I could have gotten down on the floor to fix it. <laughs> I'm 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 very happy that I have you. I'm happy that we have our tree, and that I get to record these episodes with the tree as a backdrop for you as a person, Aww. because you are the angel that has saved my fucking life. Aww. And I don't know if we're gonna do another episode, but we have to do Nightmare. Yeah, we, yeah. we
1: gotta find it though. It's not on Netflix. So. We
0: have to do it, and even if it comes late, we'll fucking do a breakdown of. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas. I almost said Nightmare on Elm Street. Um,
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, because we have one more Tuesday before Christmas. We I, th- probably I won't, think so. It I probably won't air time. until after Christmas, but yeah. we have one more Tuesday before Christmas.
0: But if, if it doesn't, I'm not good at math. Um, I love you, sweetheart. Yep. And I love you guys. And we will talk to you on Friday or saturday most likely sunday around like two o'clock mountain time
1: probably <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you guys have fun out there and uh watch fucking die hard part one two three and four i can't vouch for five
1: yippee-ki-yay motherfucker, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> Look. oh god i forgot the other line Go out there. I, I know you're going to be stressed out by your families around now. Just take off your shoes. Stand in your hotel room. Make fists with your feet. Fists with your toes. <laughs> I almost said balls with your feet. I had four or five ideations. I've seen this movie 40 fucking times. All right. Good. You. Have a good night now.